Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, everybody. I say good morning because we're making quite an early start today here in uh, London on a freezing cold February day. But welcome to another Motorsport Magazine podcast and today's a bit of a special day because we have with us at the table here Mario Andretti and later on we'll be talking to Brian Redman. In fact we're going to split today's podcast into two shows for you so uh, this week we're with Mario and next week we'll be with Brian. So let's get straight underway and uh, first of all Mario welcome to London and how was last night you were inducted into the (coughs) Hall of Fame well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on your show. And um, last night was uh, just a wonderful evening. Uh, I mean, there was um, uh, friendship, uh, to renew friendship there. And, um, and I, was, I felt uh, very, very honored to be um, recognized uh, as one of the first four inductees of uh, Motorsports Hall of Fame here in England. Um, it's something quite new in England, I understand, but um, I think it's timely that um, uh, motorsport personalities are recognized in this fashion. I think uh, it's very special. Anyone that uh, is um, fortunate enough uh, to be part of this uh, uh, will always uh, remember this as a very special occasion, and um, certainly one of those. Good. Good, I'm glad you enjoyed it, that's the main thing. Um, i got to say, actually, before we uh, uh, have uh, Nigel Roebuck is here with us, of course, as is our editor, Damien Smith. I should have said that at the beginning, but anyway, they are here, and they'll, they'll of course, be talking to Mario. But I just I wanted to say right away that um, you endeared yourself to me greatly in 1977 when I walked up to you and said, uh, Mr. Andretti, could I do an interview with you? I'm from Radio Victory. And you said... You're kidding, I live on Victory Lane in Nazareth. I thought, <laughs> I thought this is my kind of guy. And uh, I think it's been a hallmark of Mario's career, if I may say so, that he's always been so fantastically good with journalists and the media. Um, and it's uh, a mark, of course, of a great professional as well, I think. Um, Nigel, you've known Mario for a very long time. We must, well, more than we want to say. Um, what what marks the man out I mean you know I suppose so many different (coughs) victories in so many different cars over four or five decades Uh, yeah absolutely in fact we actually met in 71 Mario so it is a while ago that's exactly it I mean you know before Mario arrived this morning when we were just um, reminiscing about this and that I think apart from the fact that he, anything else, he won IndyCar races in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, yeah. which is, you know, mind-blowing when you think about <laughs> it. Um, but, yes, it was just the sheer variety. I mean, I've, I've seen Mario drive so many different cars and so many different types of car. Um, 
and you know the, the most versatile racing driver there's ever been or ever will be you yeah. know, of course, um, I mean, everybody is talking about Michael Schumacher coming back at the old age of 41. But for heaven's sake, Mario, you were 44 when you won your fourth IndyCar championship. You were 53 when you won your last IndyCar. What's everybody worrying about? <laughs> well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, indeed, I, when I was uh, 41, the furthest thing in my mind was uh, retirement, uh, quite honestly. Uh, and... Um, in Michael's situation, I think he was uh, so accomplished, uh, you, you know, at, uh, what, 38 when he won his seventh. Uh, and and I think uh, it was probably correct at that time for him to figure, you know, from here on it can only go down perhaps. Uh, and uh, having broken all records in Formula One by such an incredible margin. Uh, <coughs> uh, but... I could almost see that um, uh, he was. It was before his time to leave the the sport because uh, clearly uh, you could always tell the energy, like uh, how he expressed himself when he won. That uh, he really loved what he was doing, and um, and he has so much to give yet. Uh, so I'm sure that uh, he, in earnest, has second thoughts. Yeah. Uh, when he retired and uh, knowing that uh, physically he's still fit and so forth and he takes up uh, bike motorcycles uh, which is uh, totally crazy which is but awesome you know because I, I personally I love bikes just as much as cars and um, and you could see that uh, he never really left it if you will and I'm sure that um, uh, on the physical side, he just uh, kept up a very rigorous regiment, and you could see that just by looking at him. And um, and now, <coughs> uh, with the situation that presented itself, uh, uh, with uh, uh, his uh, troops, Russ Braun and company, you know, um, having been so incredibly successful on their own, and now uh, with the, under the mantle of uh, Mercedes. Um, I mean, it seemed like uh, you know, no better book could have, could have been written, uh, and uh, and and of course, uh, he in earnest now coming back, uh, you know, just provides the excitement that's uh, you could almost say unprecedented now for Formula One. I don't know if uh, any season will probably be as awaited as this one for, for the start in Bahrain, um, and I I was excited last year personally. Uh, when he um, uh, almost made a comeback uh, yeah. to substitute Massa, um, and uh, but I think that that you know whatever happened there, you know obviously uh, you know he he's, he had a problem with his neck and so forth, but uh, I think his fate will show that uh, maybe that was the best thing that could have happened to him even then, because uh, to come back in uh, Valencia. A track that he had never driven on, a track that you cannot test on, and uh, a car that was not extremely competitive at the time. Uh, that showed to me a very intelligent move at best. Well, and which yeah. he couldn't test. That was the other thing. You know, he couldn't yeah. even have a half. Well, that's the just car, my you know? point. Yeah. You know, so he could say he could say, "Well, you know, Michael, uh, yes, uh, I give you all the credit in the world, you know, for yeah, making yeah. that decision." And as I say, I'm sure it was, uh, you know, his neck primarily. But uh, even if it wasn't, he has to be totally respected for that because that was uh, it would not have been a good calculated move. But uh, 
to come back now um, in and having had you know the opportunities testing I think as we speak uh, so uh, to prepare this way is the correct way to go mm-hmm. after you've been absent for a couple of years and uh, again I'm sure that he just feels uh, honestly that he's back home you know mm-hmm. because uh, yeah. uh, it's so important to uh, to feel confident about your support system and uh, again uh, I it's going to be exciting and uh, I think uh, uh, I don't think he's going to surprise anyone because I think he's expected to win and I think he will yeah I, I got to I got to say that's the most interesting take I've heard on that yet mm-hmm. um, l- last night you said to Ron Dennis who was also inducted into the Motorsport Hall of Fame you said oh one thing I never did I'd like to have done was drive a McLaren. But we're not going to see that, Mario, though, are we? <laughs> no, unfortunately we're not, but uh, I still have family in the game. <laughs> I'm cultivating that. But uh, no, it's, it's a fact, actually, because uh, when uh, I came out of uh, Formula One, uh, uh, well, actually, uh, let, let, me, uh, let me go back. When I went from uh, Lotus to Alfa Romeo, and Alfa Romeo with a, a Marlboro sponsorship yeah. at the time, uh, I did have a choice. Uh, and I never really uh, spoke with um, Teddy Mayer at the time and Ron Dennis, uh, who were principals. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, Marlboro said, you know, had told me that uh, uh, I would have, you know, the freedom to, to do so, you know, with either McLaren or Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. And at Alfa Romeo, I had some friends there, you know, from the past that had been with Ferrari, Engineer Marelli, and and uh, and I went with a heart there because um, uh, the right at the end of the uh, 1979 season, I think uh, Giacomelli at the USGP yeah, just yeah, led. Yes, I yes. mean, convincingly yeah. led, uh, and and I thought Alfa was probably on its way to uh, uh, to bring in some real results and you know and, and I met with um, principal and Mas- uh, Mr. Massachese and there was so much enthusiasm and so I, I made that decision however with the rule changes uh, that came about the following year where uh, you had to uh, go on the hydraulic yeah, yeah, on the yeah, hydraulic, hydraulic systems <laughs> Alfa Romeo uh, and specifically Engineer Kitty at the time uh, didn't think that that was the spirit of the rule and so we just kept <laughs> getting beaten to the ground and uh, and that was a very frustrating time because uh, I mean it started out with Argentina with the, uh, I think PK I remember going by me like I was parked mainly because he was on ground effects and we were not mm-hmm. we were like on stilts and uh, and I could not convince the group the entire season, you know, to do anything about it. So we were trying to do it with soft springs and then packers, you know, just an impossible situation. It was only situation. That was the point. It was it was only alpha. It was know? only alpha only, that, that you, didn't do it. It was right. only alpha that was actually legal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, yeah, yeah, and, and and you know what's interesting? Uh, we were testing a Paul Ricard during the season, mm-hmm. and and I said, look. We're testing. Let's just set the car up, the proper ride height, proper springs, you know, the way it should be, just to prove 
that were somewhere in the ballpark. We were absolutely there. Our times, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I was you know top three immediately, and I said, this is the way we need to be. And I, I argued that, and in fact, we were in, uh, I remember in Zolder, and I almost went home on race morning because, uh, uh, I mean, it just, uh, I could tell you the story that would last three hours on that one, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, going back to what I said about McLaren, uh, I, at that time, I think if I would have made a push, there was definitely a seat open at McLaren, I probably would have stayed in Formula One several more years. Really? Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, so, but that's the way life goes. But uh, but I was sincere about saying what I said, uh, uh, you know, to Ron Dennis, uh, uh, because uh, indeed after that, you know, they they obviously were uh, always a player, and and uh, mm. and if they're not today, they will be tomorrow. You know, they they're a company they've always been able to recover um, and uh, pr- provide. Uh, any driver that's there with the absolute opportunities to uh, to become a winner. And I, I love the fact that uh, that was the Italian coming out in you, really, a bit, wasn't it? I mean, it <laughs> truly was. It truly was. I must say, it uh, uh, that was not a very good business decision, but it was uh, primarily one of those made from the heart. And uh, and again, um, uh, it's one of those things that you look back and and you could say what if you know mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I mean wh- when you went when you drove for Ferrari that must have been I don't know how, how can I say that something that hasn't been said before but I mean Nigel Robot was telling me when you met the old man and I mean for an Italian boy this must have been yeah uh, you got it no question it was uh, it's sort of the, the ultimate you can call a satisfaction uh, in a sense because uh uh, he he was an icon, you know. When I first uh, heard his name mentioned, uh, and as a young lad, you know, you you have your dreams, uh, uh, and life goes on, and, and and you grow up, and you know you're fortunate enough to pursue your dream. Uh, started driving, and when I was still driving my own. Uh, jalopy stock car you know on the dirt tracks I, uh, I was thinking of, of Ferraris you know it just uh, it's what just keeps you I, I remember you know just on, on the same thought here I'm in a midget uh, race car I'm about to win the third race of the day a uh, feature not third feature which I think it's never been done and the same uh, within the 24 hours in, in 1963 and I'm ready to start the race and uh, I don't know why. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of Dan Gurney mm-hmm. in Formula One. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a car. And I don't know. It's just the way my yeah. thought process was. But, uh, and, and, you know, to come, come back to the, the Ferrari situation, uh, you know, it's impossible until you reach a certain level, you know, in your career. But uh, it seemed like uh, uh, as soon as I pretty much got there, then the contacts started happening and um and and when i was first invited to uh to do so to to drive ferrari it was uh actually uh just amazing to me in fact i remember they uh they were testing uh 512 at, at uh daytona and uh i think it was uh Merzario who was testing a, he had never seen daytona and he was downshifting for the banks 
You know? <laughs> so he, so I, I got a call from uh, Mara for Gary, and um, and and I, I guess I was the handiest one there uh, to, to arrive, and uh, and and they uh, and I went down, and 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 of course, you know, that was my introduction to them. Because I had driven at that point a Ferrari for Luigi Canetti, uh, was at the uh, uh, private entry yeah. um, a couple of years earlier, and um, and so that that was really uh, my introduction to mm-hmm. them, and it was actually a very auspicious one because uh, you know I was totally familiar with Daytona and poor Arturo, you know, it, uh, I could see you know that uh, he, he you know he didn't feel very well about that, but. Uh, 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 but it it, um, it, was, it was interesting. It was interesting that uh, uh, I uh, I was um, uh, getting fitted up on the seat and so forth, and uh, and and the mechanics uh, thought, okay, okay he's a Ita- Italian, but he actually is American, and he, he can't speak the language. So they were <laughs> saying certain things, you know, in their own dialect. I mean, nothing really offensive, you know, but this, you know, just. Uh, the cutesy <laughs> things and uh, uh, Sigino and things yeah, like yeah, that, you know, and uh, and I just played it out, and uh, and all of a sudden uh, I'm speaking with Mauro Forgares, you know, in perfect Italian, and I can see the color of the faces <laughs> change <laughs> dramatically. <laughs> it was actually funny, <laughs> you know, properly. And uh, uh, anyway, but that was. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> It's great stuff, isn't it? Yeah, great hey, stuff. Hey, those were the days, Murray. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I I always think I mean, uh, Pino Alievi, um, Italian journalist friend, still says the, the the best day at Monza there has ever been was qualifying in '82. You know, when you came back, uh, when they like they called you in to do, would you do Monza? And I remember ringing you and saying, "Are, are you going to do it?" And you said. You know what? Are you kidding? You know, this is cream for the cat. He said at the time, and you got the pole, um, and that was. I mean, that was an extraordinarily emotional day. I mean, because it was the year Villeneuve had been killed, yeah. Ferrari had been hurt, and everything else, and Ferrari had really been through it. But then later on, I remember you telling me in '88, when Gerhard uh, had his accident at Imola, that Ferrari contacted you about doing about doing Monaco, even in '88. And at the time, you said there was no possibility to test, um, and they had just started with the automatic um, gearbox. 89, wasn't it? It was, sorry, excuse me, it was 89. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was 89. The editor speaks. But it's an amazing thing that, you know, uh, I mean, there you were. I mean, we're talking about Michael, 41 years old. You, you then were almost 50, and Ferrari, Ferrari's first thought was still... Well, you know, Gerhard can't do Monaco. Wonder if Mario might. Well, you know, you here know. again, uh, you're right. Uh, there was, uh, I think, um, uh, when you talk about m- being invited to uh, to substitute, mm. I think it was Pironi uh, at the time, uh, Monza. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the luxury of uh, doing proper tests. Test, yeah, and. Uh, and not in Monza, you know, Fiorano, but at least become quite familiar with the car. Sure. And then, uh, and there was something about, uh, you know, it's coming to me now that you mention it uh, about that event for for Monaco mm-hmm. that um, I I 
clearly didn't think that uh, I could do uh, it justice. You know, after being... It was the gearbox you were concerned yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it was and Monaco of all places, yeah, too. It, uh, that's so, exactly yeah. right. So <laughs> I, I felt that, uh, uh, you know, I have to, you know, be realistic, you mm. know, at that point. And, and I don't think, I would, like I said, I would have had enough time no, to no. really familiarize myself properly. No. Uh, you have to remember that um, when I did uh, Monza, I was only out of Formula One one yeah, year. Yeah. And uh, even though, you know, the uh, engine configuration, everything was different. Mm, mm. Uh, you know, it, it was the first time that uh, I had ever driven uh, a turbo, a turbo. Uh, you know, Formula One and so sure, forth. And sure. uh, and those were like uh, a real wake-up call, you know, because it was like <laughs> sitting on top of a keg of dynamite. Uh, you know, the, 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 you can imagine one and a half liter oh engine. Uh, and and I remember the the first uh, run that I did um, at Fiorano when we did the qualifying mm -hmm. simulate qualifying run, uh, where. Actually, the engine was uh, uh, f to prevent detonation was water injected, mm -hmm. and uh, and they they told me that uh, it was producing over a thousand horsepower. Now you can imagine the power you had under you, but it was not benign power. It was either there or not. It was all because uh, you know with an engine being so small, you know it was all yeah. under turbo pressure, so there was nothing normally aspirated that could sweetening you into you know a curve that was uh there but uh it is a driver i mean what a kick unbelievable i mean you could i remember qualifying at uh, monza and i actually in f fifth gear i was doing wheel spin between the lesmos that's how much power there was it's mean, amazing it, it, i guess i guess it can't be that often that a guy with all your, with the experience you had by then, still feels that in a racing car. Well, it's very true. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny you would say that because uh, you're quite accustomed to it and, and so forth, and and yet this was something that yeah. still, uh, you know, it surprised you and, and you know and got your attention, and and but that's those are the things that you uh, remember because it was so impressive. Mm. I mean, it was so impressive, and. And that's something that um, the lads of today will never experience, you know, because uh, those, I mean, uh, 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 to be able to experience that type of power with a weight ratio that you had, I'm telling you, it's, uh, uh, I'm sure that the, an astronaut can probably give you an idea what acceleration is like. And, uh, and we had that, you know, because, um, uh, and the cars at the time, you know, it, you know, of course, you, you were lacking certain aspects of what you have today, but uh, but there was still, you know, a, a, a good ground effect. So, you know, there was a lot of speed through the corners and all that. So it was a lot of it was mm. all there. Also, I mean, you, you the car wasn't exactly the safest thing in the world either, was it? I mean, well, uh, yes, indeed. I mean, we've come a long way in that respect. Uh, thank goodness, uh, you know. But uh, um, yeah, it. Uh, but those. Those are the uh, issues that you were not, you know, thinking about. You know, it, uh, uh, that was. Uh, but it's again, safety-wise, we uh, spoken with uh, with Nigel. Some, you know, uh, at length as to how beneficial, you know, uh, that sure. has become mm -hmm. to the sport. I mean, it was essential for the sport <coughs> to be able to uh, 
continue in uh, you know has became more and more commercial you know uh, mm. Mm. I'm gonna have to ask some sorry Nigel okay no I, the only thing I was going to mention was when you were talking about the, you know the, the the kick you got from the just the sheer power available in that turbo Ferrari um, you said something similar I remember about about the um, in sort of 72 73 in IndyCar racing mm-hmm. with the the when we had the turbo there's offies no limit but but again that was night and day wasn't it there was sort of certain amount of horse three four hundred horsepower up to you know a certain point and then bang suddenly you had 1100 right well but didn't you once tell me in fact you know you, your front wheels would sort of momentarily well uh, come off the deck could do and that was yes because uh, qualifying yeah in those days uh, as you say like 72 73 mm. there was no limit yeah. on uh, the boost mm. factor mm. and you could, the only limit was you know the engine exploding obviously but uh, when you were qualifying uh, that was that engine was just going to be good for like those two laps and then that engine's coming out uh, and um, and that's what you know so uh, it was so incredibly satisfying because you could never really experience that type of power until you were actually qualifying you didn't have the luxury to have a test have a no, go no. for a couple of laps and and then okay know what to expect qualifying mm. and that's where i used to love that <laughs> because it that's when in those then qualifying you'd see rev that you had never seen before so you knew <laughs> that was translating to speed and and i remember oh gosh uh, uh it's especially when you're on an oval because uh you're always high speed and and uh, you don't really uh, you very seldom get to really feel the real acceleration because you're already up yeah. at, at higher speeds yeah, you're up there. but when we had you know we were able to 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 put that much uh, turbo pressure, we had that much power available, then you were in earnest, really accelerating to the point of wheel spin, you know, at any time. And and so that, like I said, these were satisfying moments, unbelievable. Wow. Because, uh, you know, with a car with no ground effects and so forth, and like on a two-mile track, mm. you know, uh, I'm qualifying like in Texas at 214 miles an hour <laughs> uh, average, you know, and, and you certainly... Uh, not flat through the corners either you know you're almost breaking because you're yeah, yeah. running at 245 or so on a straightaway Jeez. and and so i mean it was just you know the incredible satisfaction you know for a driver to mm. experience that mm. oh we've be, uh, you may have heard the door opening or possibly not because he opened it and shut it extremely quietly <laughs> but we have been joined by brian redman who uh, was also with us last night at the Motorsport uh, Hall of Fame. And uh, he mm-hmm. seated himself down opposite our editor, Damien. Welcome, Brian. Thank you very much. Uh, a man who's also uh, knows a bit about going pretty quickly and lots and lots of power, especially in some pretty frightening Porsches. But we'll, uh, we'll come to that in a, in a few moments. Um, Mario has to leave us quite soon because he's uh, going to have a look at London. And why not? Um, just to come back very briefly to the point you just made is that Bobby Rahal said to me that sometimes he left the speedway thinking he'd just dodged a bullet. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, you can sort of understand. As I've only watched it, obviously. but Michigan, wow. Michigan particularly. <laughs> yeah, Bobby. Uh, you know, uh, 
it's funny you would say that, you know, but um, uh, often, you know, when we talk about the safety aspect and so forth, especially, you know, in those days, uh, um, it tracks that actually uh, really I felt so thankful to leave, uh, you know, um, in my own accord, uh, were like Michigan, places like Michigan, for instance, with the high banks, where, um, you know, it it was never a, a small crash you know if you were going to have one it was always going to be a big one mm-hmm. and and uh you know unfortunately uh you know s- some of us you know paid the toll there mm-hmm. you know and 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 realistically i i just i even thinking on the way back to my airplane and so forth uh, I was just kissing my limbs, you know, everything I said, <laughs> everything is with me today. We're good for another year <laughs> for this one. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You, you, had, you couldn't help it but, you know, thinking in those, even though you, you normally don't dwell on it, but uh, it was that sort of situation, uh, unfor- unfortunately, to some degree, because, uh, uh, again, something went wrong at all. Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, in 85, when uh, at the end of the 500-mile race, you know, I lose, I shear the right front hub, right front wheel, and I mean, I went in so hard, and, and you come away, you cannot come away unscathed. I mean, uh, I had, uh, uh, I think there was uh, the brake caliper right into my pelvis, you know, at that point, from the right front, so, you know, that type of thing, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, you were just lucky to escape, you know, and uh, that's, you know. Anyway, you're here. Thank goodness we're here, you're here. Yes, thank you. And so is Brian. So that's, you know, uh, but we shouldn't really dwell on the on that. It was a very dangerous sport in those days. Oh, well, it still can be. I must, um, sorry to uh, interrupt again, but I must come to some of our readers' questions because we've had a record number for both Mario and Brian. We've never had this many questions. And I got to say, there's no way we're going to get through them all. I'm very sorry, everybody, uh, but we just don't have the time. But I've picked a couple here. One from David Fisher, uh, who wants to know Mario about. Um, there's two words coming up. May catch your attention. One is James. One is Hunt. Um, you. Uh, he's really asking, how did you get on with James? Because I think he's thinking about Tarzan Zanvor. 
Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that you know just one event like this, uh, uh, you know, sort of brings about a conversation because uh, I I got on with James very well, uh, no question. Uh, we had you know a bit of a run in, and and he had his argument, I had mine, and quite clearly, uh, I think uh, at that point going into Tarzan, it's one of the corners that you could uh, probably one of the only corners in Formula One that you could actually make a pass on the outside because of the banking and uh, and that's exactly what I uh, I did to him I kind of he was very really protecting the inside because I was you know obviously working on him under braking and finally I had him down so low protecting and I just shot on the outside I'm alongside of him I'm clearly alongside of him at the exit Mm -hmm. and he totally um, you know just uh, uh disregarded the fact that I was there and he just came across and he's the one that, you know we, we put each other off you know and then he's saying I wasn't supposed to be there I said hey I'm on the tarmac you know I, I you know you can't just disregard the fact that I'm there I can't disappear and that was the argument you know so uh, he did actually say we don't overtake on the outside in Formula One well I, he made that and comment you know <laughs> and that that's the point and, and, and it was uh, it was not a valid comment because I was uh, I was not in the grass I was not you know on the shoulder I was on the track and and clearly alongside him yeah. I actually I thought I made a pretty damn good pass <laughs> and uh, but I surprised him obviously and uh, fair enough so um, I you know, I take his argument, and he has to take mine. And uh, but uh, uh, again, uh, you know, when when you're competing fiercely, and uh, you know, for uh, a championship, if you will, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to have those moments. Mm-hmm. But uh, in no way did I ever have any problem uh, with James whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, going on after that. I think Brian Redman looked like he wanted to say something there. I mean, racing drivers, you, you overtake where you can, don't you, Brian? Well, you do, and I had to smile at that, because the first time I ever met Bobby Anser, who was really, a, you know, a USAC, roundy round racer, it was a Formula 5000 race at Pocono Raceway, and uh, the first race of the new season, we had new Formula 5000 cars, the T400 Lola, and the car was, for some unknown reason, slow. And I come in the pits, and Jim Hall would say, What's the matter? Is it pushing? I said, No. <laughs> Oversteering? No. Well, why are you so slow? <laughs> so I said, I don't know. So <laughs> the, the race was cancelled because of rain. And Carl Haas, of course, who was the Lola car importer for North America, and had sold probably seven or eight of these T400s. He did an amazing thing, and I think it, of course, Mario drove for Carl for a long time also. And Carl uh, bought a wrecked Lola 332. The race was cancelled. It was held a month later. And in that month, the wrecked 332 was sent down to Jim Hall in Chaparral Cars in Texas and and rebuilt. And we came back to the new race with a 332. Well, I was on about 8th or ninth place, you know, on the heat. We had heats in those days. So I'm in a bit of a hurry to try and get to the front, and uh, and there's Bobby Unser in front of me, and there was a tight left hand, almost a hairpin, uh, behind the pits. And he'd left, you know, plenty of room, so I shot through this gap, and uh, did all right. 
And yeah, afterwards, Bobby came up to him and says, Redman, he says, what the hell are you doing? Passing me, going into that turn. I said, well, you left a gap there. I said, there's plenty of room. He said, is that the way you road racers do it? I said, yeah. He said, okay, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, t I tell you, one of the joys of having both you guys here uh, is that, of course, you raced against each other. Uh, and, you know, we're talking Formula 5000 here. Um, I mean... It's funny, you know, when you look back on Formula 5000, it, it, the great thing about it was it, it was such exciting racing because so often, you know, what you might call today a support race is not. But it was. It was great racing in its own right, wasn't it, Murray? I mean... Yeah, I think that, yeah, the series really <coughs> seemed like it had legs at one point. Uh, mm. <coughs> specifically, I think, 73, 74, if I'm correct. Mm. <coughs> and And... The cars, um, typical SCCA uh, by rule, uh, didn't ha hold enough fuel to really have a good, proper, uh, long race, and and there was no provisions for pit stops, uh, so uh, that's why it never really gained uh, prominence because uh, you know you always had these two heat races. Mm. And and unfortunately, it's just like uh, war, uh, you know, um, World Superbikes. You know, they they're trying to keep them below. The I think uh, MotoGP just by having the two, mm. yeah. having them. Otherwise, it would probably uh, mm. <coughs> because uh, the sheer number even of bikes and the excitement of World Superbikes, mm. it would uh, have a spectacular show as MotoGP. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, it was almost mm. the same thing. Mm. Like uh, uh, they they try to keep that series you know to a lower level if you will mm. uh, but it was in earnest uh, yeah. uh, a, a good good racing uh, the cars were proper cars yeah. quick cars mm. uh, fun to drive for sure not the 400 I agree with you <laughs> <laughs> uh, 332 I think was uh, yeah. was, the, was the, the car that really uh, I thought it was uh, it was a balanced car. It was a fun car to drive, uh, and and we uh, obviously were allowed uh, good power. You know, with these uh, uh, American V8 engines. Uh, you know, so uh, lap times were quick. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember that um, uh, just in '75 when we were preparing for the Formula One season with the Parnelli car uh, before South Africa. You know the car was as usual. Everything was late, uh, and and we uh, we only had one test to do, <coughs> which was at Riverside. And we had a great baseline at Riverside in a Formula Five Thousand car, so we do a, we had a time to shoot for. I couldn't come within at first a second and a half of my Formula Five Thousand times with mm. a Formula One car, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. To, I said, hey, we're going to South Africa in a Formula One race. I said we cannot even match a Formula Five Thousand times, and 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 quite honestly, uh, it took a while. We uh, we did you know another test just before the car was shipped, where I only came within a half a second of my uh, time at uh, Riverside with a Formula One car. So I mm. never even matched no. Formula Five Thousand mm. time. And of course, the show because it, it, I think it's South Africa where we finished. I think fifth or sixth, mm -hmm. you know, in the race. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. uh, but it was not going to be a front runner. Uh, 
We've got both of you here for such a short time, I'm afraid I'm going to have to jump around a bit, and Nigel will correct me if I'm wrong here, but you you both drove for Ferrari in in 72. Good, I'm right. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean... W- t- 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 tell me a bit about this, this guys. I mean, uh, well, okay, uh, your styles were different or similar, or tell me how did how well did it work? Well, you loved the car, didn't you? It was a great car. Three, three, yeah. three twelve PV. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. As far as a sports car, uh, that was one of my all-time favorites because <coughs> of uh, you could just fling it around like a single seater, mm. you know, just the right quick gearbox and everything great braking um, I, I just love that car and that's why we were, we won with it you know we just uh, I think it was a proper formula at that time yeah and um, yeah um, so uh, it was really mm. great and I'm mm. and I'm uh, I had I never drove uh, with Brian. Uh, Brian as a teammate you know I mean just together yeah. But um, but we you know, we had some things. Things always struck me about those cars. They were they were they always seemed to be whenever I saw them they they always seemed to be smothered in graphite grease. Mm. Oh yes, but that was, was typical. Was, do you remember that, Brian, or not? It was, oh, they, yeah. the, 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 they just seemed to be grease, I mean, graphite grease everywhere. Oh yes, they were. Uh, I think that uh, yeah, in those days of mechanics they everything that they thought moved they would lubricate <laughs> with the graphite and and I I remember some of yeah my driving uniforms I, we could never get them clean you know afterwards mm. because of graphite <laughs> and, and you always you always came out of that car like you worked on it <laughs> you remember that Brian? yes indeed but actually of course I think at that time Ferrari had really you know, because the team manager was Peter Shetty, a Swiss driver who yeah. had raced and was a hill climb expert, and he was extremely calm. And in the Ferrari team at that time, there were no histrionics, you know, with mechanics throwing wrenches and that sort of thing, as they had in the past. And so it was an extremely good uh, team, very well organised. As a matter of fact, the only uh, signs, uh, pit board signs that I ever got from Peter Shea was slow down, <laughs> slow down, that's how, <laughs> slow down, that's how we ever got. <laughs> Which is it's not really what you want to see, is it? <laughs> well, you know, it was, actually it was great because that means we were in well, yeah. pretty good position, you know, but he kept saying slow down, slow down. Yeah, in 1973 at the Nürburgring, I was driving with Jackie in the in, in fact in 73 I drove with Jackie most of the time, in 72 I drove with Clay Regazzoni generally and occasionally with Arturo Mazzario and uh, at 73 at the Nürburgring uh, it didn't seem likely because by then Matra were really faster than the Ferrari mm-hmm. but uh, the team manager who was Giacomo Caleri at that time he said if a Ferrari is leading at the halfway point then there must be no fighting in the team well, guess what? We are leading. Jackie X and I are leading at the halfway point, and suddenly Arturo Mazzario comes hurtling past <laughs> right in front of the pits. Now there's a battle like go for two laps. They go like crazy men, you know. And then we one more pit stop to make before the end, and Mazzario came in and they ordered him out of the car. He wouldn't get out. He gripped the wheel <laughs> and he's staring down like this. But you know, he was a very thin small guy and these yeah. two big mechanics prized his fingers off the wheel <laughs> and, hauled, and hauled him out I mean that's a, that's a great story well, how did it finish I, I'm trying to remember 
ring. Uh, the we, ring won, is, we won the race. We won the race, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also the year before, when I was driving with Matsari and we finished second, mm-hmm. um, Rigatoni and I had agreed to go to dinner with him. And you know what the old sport hotel was like in those yeah. days? It was pretty yeah. miserable. So we're yeah. banged on his door and there's no reply. So we banged again and ciao, you know, come in, whatever. We opened the door and there is Matsario between these two big camp followers uh, in bed, you know, lying there. So we looked at this ensemble <laughs> and... Uh, cowboy hat on. <laughs> 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 said, Girls, he said, girls, what you do without Yodo? He is so little. And one of them says, yes, he said, little. But good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome to the motorsport family show. <laughs> if if you if there is a slight hesitation in the tape, it may be because Baran told another different story. <laughs> That's good stuff. I mean, I love all that. One thing I really miss about motor racing, I must say, is the, the, the nationalities were so strong. The German teams really were German. The Italian teams really were Italian. That mm. seems to have gone a bit now. Do you agree, Mario? I mean, well, perhaps. Uh, I suppose maybe now. Uh, I think uh, the mix is not as uh, you know as obvious, uh, which is I think that's that's, that's good. In, in that sense, but uh, some of the uh, uh, the rivalries that we had, you know, in those time between nations and so forth, I think uh, I, I thought that was healthy, yeah. you know, because a, a national pride, uh, I think, plays obviously along the way. Um, I remember, you know, you're in the states and they play a national anthem, and yes, fine, and, and you respect it, uh, but. Um, I would be uh, winning. I would win Argentina, and uh, and they would play the American national anthem and then the Italian national anthem for me while I'm on the podium, and then tears come to your eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it 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 has a special meaning, I think, and 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 there's nothing wrong with it, you know. National pride, I think, is healthy for anyone, uh, and that mm-hmm. you know, it's all part of it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's part of um, uh, just having that. Uh, yeah, the feeling that you you're not only driving for yourself, you know, and you know perhaps uh, you're trying to satisfy uh, your fans, you know, that sure. they pull for you, that have the same feelings. People always said that driving for Enzo was was different from driving for Anthony because you did feel you were you were driving for. Well, you, you, a person, I think you a busted man. your butt just to get a bit of a smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah, he was uh, so difficult to understand because he was always very, very just uh, uh, proper and and uh, and and he would show no emotion, mm. you know. And uh, and you figure, what do I have to do? He certainly didn't want to crash because you got a reaction from him there. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, it was one of those. It, it was really tough to read. Uh, yeah, I remember actually going back when I was testing at Fiorano just before Monza, and he was there all day uh, watching because they had um, in his office, you know, they uh, they had cells where you could uh, you could actually watch all the cornering and and then and and we set a record there uh, just toward the end of the day, you know, in qualifying form, and he did come out and he he had. A, 
bit of a smile of approval you know that 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 was worth uh, everything to me i tell you i wish this was tv mario is just grinning like a cheshire cat <laughs> could have been yesterday couldn't it mario yeah indeed uh, i mean yeah. uh, brian you drove for for porsche a lot and obviously we know you know your ferrari um very very different setups different atmosphere yes well, you'd think so, but really Porsche in the late 60s, early 70s were very, um, yes, they were disciplined, and yes, there wasn't any throwing of wrenches, but they were they were a fun team, you know, as well. Really? You know, the, the chief people, uh, even Herr Pieck from time to time, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want because... One gets much more of a sense of fun about motor racing in general. I mean, okay, I know it was hard work to win the world championship and all those rush short, but you had more fun. Am I right? Well, I, I think I think you 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 have to have fun. There has to be even a, a light side of it, but but you have to have fun in a sense of um, uh, you you can't be looking forward to something if you're not going to have fun with it. You know, it truly. Uh, so, I love the idea of be, being able to uh, visit the other continents of the world. You know, as well. You know, even though I never got to see anything. You know, but just the prospect. Okay, I was uh, in Malaysia. I was in South America. I was you know everywhere. It's South Africa and so on and so forth. Uh, I mean, all of that. Yeah, it's going to stay with you. Um, and and yeah i uh, i don't think you can really endure have a long career unless you're enjoying in really enjoying what you're doing yeah. uh and and that's why i think um, you know i didn't want mine to end because of that because uh, there was uh, uh i could always there was always something to look forward to yeah. uh and that's so important i i had uh, personally uh no problem staying motivated in any possible way mm. you know because um, again uh, there was always just look forward to the next thing coming um, and that was that part I thought was very healthy for me I wonder I wondered how you felt about when Michael came to drive for McLaren uh, not I mean obviously it was a great moment for him to get into the McLaren team whether you felt that you know he he was given the opportunities and given the kind of support that you felt he ought to have been given because fathers and sons, it's quite a tricky... Well, uh, let, let me put it this way. I think uh, he came to probably, uh, for sure, one of the absolute best teams ever except at the worst possible time because McLaren at that time lost uh, something that was a great advantage to them was a Honda engine. And, and it was not until probably, uh, and I think Ron Dennis will verify this, just uh, a month or two before the first race that there was not a decision whether it was going to be, uh, I think, a Peugeot engine or a, a Cosworth. Mm -hmm. and, and there was no testing uh, really to be done except with the old car, you know, where Michael did, like, I think two days at Silverstone. It was wet. And, and he just didn't have really the time to get familiarized with anything then they go to South Africa and there's a new rule the rule of uh, the famous oh, rule the of the short qualifying short qualifying yeah. you could only do s every lap that you were 
on the track counted toward a, a maximum laps that you could do. So if you just had a warm-up lap, so to speak, or in-and-out lap, it counted down. And and, uh, and so there were so many restrictions, you know, on him. And, you know, Michael, I tell you what, uh, I think he got uh, did not get a good rap from even the, the motor, motor racing press yeah, here is, yeah. because uh, uh, he was, uh, Michael had the, uh, the, the talent for sure. To, to win in Formula One, no question about it. And I think as the season progressed, when he felt more comfortable with the car, uh, he was, uh, you know, he showed that uh, he definitely belonged there. Uh, he, 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 uh, uh, it, even at Manicor, I remember he started uh, something like 18th and he finished in top five, mm-hmm. uh, 50. You know, he knew how to pass. He had a couple unfortunate incidents, you know, by being uh, probably uh, overly uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, just uh, uh, overly keen. (laughs) Uh, At Donington, I remember he was really quite, I was watching him, I I actually came, it was the first race that I watched him uh, practice, and and I went to breaking points, he had no problem, he was as quick, as late breaking as anyone, as, as Ayrton. Uh, Donington was wet in the morning, and he was quickest in the, in the morning practice. And and for some reason or other, there was one driver out there, Carl Wendinger, who was you know a good guy that uh, seemed to be in front of him, you know, during the race most of the right. time. And he would go alongside of him, and and, and at yeah. the most inopportune time, and 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 off he would go. He uh, and uh, that was unfortunate, but. Bottom line is, uh, if he could have stayed on, you know, the, like the following year and so forth, Michael would have brought a, brought back a championship to America again with McLaren. No question about it in my mind. And uh, because uh, a lot of people say, oh, well, he was not committed. You can never tell me Michael was not committed to his game. In fact, you know, while we were talking about, uh, you know, having fun doing it, he was actually is so focused, so extremely focused on his work that he didn't really have a lot of fun doing it. That's why his career is relatively short. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, uh, Michael just uh, he had his race face on the entire weekend. He would not go to dinner the night before the race outside. He would eat in his room and all. So anyone that tells me that he uh, was not committed enough and uh, was going back to the States, that's all entirely uh, wrong uh, assess, assessment of him. And uh, uh, he was only going back to the States because he was not even allowed to test because uh, uh, the third driver on the team was Mika Hakkinen, uh, who uh, was brought on because uh, Ayrton Senna was going to leave yeah. And and um, and then when Ayrton stayed, Mika was there with no nothing to write, so Mika was doing the testing. So Michael wouldn't even get to do the testing, and uh, so it was kind of unfortunate uh, situation that uh, I don't think uh, anything can blame can be blamed specifically. Uh, Michael can't be blamed, and McLaren cannot be blamed. It was just a situation that happened that turned out wrong. But it could have been the only thing, yeah, yeah. But it could have been righted if uh, Michael would have probably decided, okay, I'm going to write it out. Hopefully, I will be renewed anyway, which I think he might, he would have been because uh, Ayrton moved on to Williams after that anyway. But, but he, uh, he didn't want to um, risk a sabbatical. 
because uh, I think McLaren said uh, uh, we cannot give you an answer until about November or so and uh, Michael said well uh, I, I must be driving next year so he got himself a you know a big deal back to the States you know uh, with the target Chip Ganassi and then he went back but that was that was unfortunate because I think again Michael definitely would have uh, uh, would have made some uh, uh, he was got some results here in Formula One. I think the other thing about that year was, I mean, it couldn't have been a worse year either um, because of, it was that was the height of the Gizmo era, you know, when they had every single new system on them. I mean, they even had ABS that year. Well, uh, yeah, it's and, true. And, like and, and, and coming from IndyCars, there were just a huge number of new things for well, them to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to get used to. Yeah, true. But but again, it, it all comes about, you know, with testing. Like, uh, I'll go back to Manicure, for for instance, uh, after the race, they tested for two days, mm-hmm. right after the race. And uh, and between Ayrton, and this is a matter of record, between Ayrton and Michael, there was like a tenth of a second at the end, and they both would have been in the second row of the, the Grand Prix, you know, after making mm-hmm. some, of course... Uh, some improvements after the test so uh, at that point like mid-season he was already had his arms around it pretty good and it was beginning to really uh, feel very comfortable Mm -hmm. and confident and like I said it just um, uh, just turn of events that uh, that went wrong but uh, I think the the all the elements to to be able to 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 make this thing right you know were there and and, uh, and they were ignored I think it's another reminder of just how tough it is you know isn't it I mean you know it's just uh, it is indeed yeah it's yeah. never easy yeah sure. Uh, at any time, of course, but uh, also I believe in fate. You know, just in and sometimes, uh, not knowingly, you do the right or wrong things. You know, and um, and you know, in this situation with Michael, I uh, it's it's so sad. You know, to think that okay, that was a failure where there's no way that should have been. Sure, mm. Mm. sure, I yeah. understand. Well, look, I can't believe it, but an hour has gone by. And uh, we promised to let Mario go so he can see the sights of London, our capital city. (coughs) But uh, Brian Redman has very kindly agreed to stay on. So as I explained at the beginning, uh, we will be... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mario's been doing a bit of artwork during the show. Uh, That'll be worth money one day. I'll have that. Thank you. Uh, wrapping up this part and then uh, do join us when we'll be back with Brian Redman some more good conversation but uh, I must just thank uh, Mario Andretti so much for coming along today it's been a real pleasure Mario thank you